or to ask his presence in prayer before we open his word. Dear Father in heaven, as we assemble ourselves, dear Father, before thee this morning hour, we lift up thy holy name, dear Father. We praise thee for a great God, a God who we cannot see, who we cannot almost always hear with an audible voice, but a God who is abundantly present, who is all around us, if we would but open our eyes, if we would but open our hearts. Dear Father, open our hearts this morning hour to thy presence, to thy nearness, the God who is inside, who can speak in the hearts of each one of us in a way that no one else can. Dear Father, that is the presence that we desire this morning, the intimate, all-knowing God, to reveal himself through Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. Dear Father, it's in his name we pray this thing. We, we, it's, it's in the name of Jesus that we can come before thee and we can ask this, based on the promises he has given, based on the love he has shown on the cross for us. Dear Father, we thank thee for this. And we know it's not because we are good people and we are worthy or uh, we have merit that we can bring on our own, dear Father, but we simply believe. We believe in this immortal, invisible God who has shown himself through Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. I'd like to turn for this morning's uh, meditation to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. John, chapter 11. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> John chapter 11. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I might wake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him 
and let him go. I've read up to verse 44, chapter 11 of John. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel to pray. Let's kneel together. Heavenly Father, what a precious account we have recorded before us this, this morning hour. To see life and joy snatched from death and sorrow. To know that there is one who is the resurrection and the life. And that things do not end here but will go on. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this reminder because we often forget. We're so, uh, like Lazarus, bound up with grave clothes uh, in, our, in our thinking, bound in by, by, by matter and by things that we see and the things that we hear. We're so easily given to fear and to doubt. We need to be loosed by thee. We need to see that this world is not the end, that there is more that there is one who spoke it all into being and that one day the skies themselves will split open and we will see him return. What a day that will be when the saints of all the ages will be gathered together. We pray that no one who is within the hearing of the word this morning would be left out of that great reunion, but that now they would kneel before that gentle teacher and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior so they will not need to fear him when he comes again as king. Be with those that are grieving, Heavenly Father. We know that grief and sorrow is not something that thou wast unaccustomed to. Thou didst weep at the grave of thy friend Lazarus Thou art touched with our sorrows, our problems. Nothing is too small for thee to overlook. And so, Heavenly Father, we want to pray now for those that are going through difficulties, those that have experienced loss, those that have lost loved ones, those that are going through difficult circumstances, uh, perhaps emotionally, spiritually, financially even, with this pandemic and the disruption that it has caused. Heavenly Father, show thyself near and powerful to help thy children to hear the prayers of those that are offered unto thee. Be with us now this morning hour, Heavenly Father. Grant a rich measure of thy spirit to our brother this morning that he would speak forth words from thee, that we would be able to hear words of life, words that would bring life to us in this world of death. Be with us now, Heavenly Father. Help us to have open ears to hear, and may hearts be touched this morning. Amen. The chapter we have before us this morning is one of my favorites. It probably is. For you too. My thoughts turned to it uh, as I was thinking about uh, Sister Julia's passing. I hope it doesn't escape you 
that this is a real account, that this is actual people. This is written by an eyewitness. This is someone who knew all of the people involved in the story. He knew them well. It's not just a passing eyewitness account. This is someone who was intimately involved with this, and he wrote these facts down, actual things that happened. This is not just some quaint story. And if you would take your time to, to, to read and immerse yourself in the Bible, it would become clearer and clearer to you that none of this is our fables. But this isn't just a, an account of an amazing occurrence. This isn't just um, uh, something to go, wow, something amazing happened that someone raised someone else from the dead. Never heard of that happen before. After four days, no. The reason that John wrote this account, that the reason that he wrote this whole gospel, the reason that the whole Bible is written, he says at the end of his account here, the second last chapter, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that but believing ye might have life through his name. This account we just read here has a huge implication for you. It is the difference for you between life and death. What you do with this man Jesus will determine here and now whether you experience life the way he designed it for you or whether you continue, as we heard in the prayer, in death. And if we realize that, I don't think we can be indifferent anymore about this account. I don't think we can just read it lightly or just think, well, that's, a, that's, that's marvelous uh, that this happened to someone. No, this is a real account with real people, and not only that, it is an account that was recorded so that you could be changed as you read it, as you believe on this man Jesus. You can experience that life that he talks about, that he told Martha about. The circumstances of this account are remarkable. I think it's partly remarkable because of the, the people that are involved, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Verse 5 here says specifically, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. There was a special connection, an intimate connection between these people. This is written by John, who is also another one that it's marked that, Je that, Je that um, Jesus, he was the disciple who leaned on Jesus' breast, that, that, that uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And as you read that, as we think about that, do we think, does God play favorites? Did, does Jesus play favorites? Are there certain people that are just specially selected out and those are the ones that he loves and they're the ones that are going to have that intimate time with him? No. God's heart is big enough for an intimate relationship like this with each one of us. And it's only limited by ourselves. It's only limited by our willingness to open up our hearts. <clears throat> to experience that intimacy, to take that time. You re this is not the only account of, of Mary and Martha uh, and Lazarus, if I'm not mistaken. There are other accounts, the time that they spent together, the, the time that they, they uh, enjoyed in his presence. There was an intimacy there that, that is the nature, relationship is a two-way street. And, and God is completely willing on his part. It's not that he plays favorites. It's not that he has certain people 
selected out and they're going to be his special ones that he really likes. No, this God is big enough to embrace the whole world, to have that kind of intimate fellowship with each one of us. But that fellowship isn't just a, a feel-good sort of warm, I have just these warm feelings and I know that God loves me. I certainly have those feelings and, and, and I rejoice. <laughs> it's so good to, to, to feel the love, emotionally feel the love of God, but it's so much more than that. And the love of God will lead us through so much more than just a feeling or, or just having a, um, a, a close, intimate time. That's, how, that's what he did with Mary and Martha here. They sent a message to Jesus telling him, there's an urgent situation here. We know the kind of things that you can do. You can heal people. You've done amazing miracles. Now our brother Lazarus, whom you love, he's at the point of death. Please come and do something. Jesus heard that and he stayed where he was. And I'm sure the disciples were wondering, what, what's going on here? I mean, maybe they rationalized it. Maybe they figured, well, you know, things have uh, lately gotten too difficult in, in, in Judea, in Jerusalem. The environs there, they're, they're trying to kill Jesus. Um, the previous chapter says that, chapter 10, that, that he didn't, uh, he didn't, um, he went to, um, um, they sought to take him and he escaped out of their hand and he walked no more openly among them. Maybe it says in another place. Maybe they rationalized that, but no, Jesus had another purpose. And he has that same sort of purpose for each one that he loves, each one that wants to experience his, his love. He wants to lead them through suffering and through difficulty to see his glory, to see just who he is, the nature of who he is. And there was, in, in, in his wisdom, his perfect wisdom, the wisdom that Jesus possessed, the, 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 as we see here, he knew completely what would happen before it happened. He knew that there was no way that they could experience and see this glory and understand more fully that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but by going through this experience of seeming abandonment, of suffering. And you can hear it in the response when the first thing they, the both sisters say to him, Lord, if you had not been here, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Basically, laying it at his feet. I don't, I don't think they said it in an accusatory tone, but in a tone of sorrow, a tone of, oh, Lord, if it had only been different, if you had been here. But really, in the same tone and basically from the same place of unbelief. You know, we may not be thinking that we're t we say a word of unbelief to the Lord or that we're not believing his, his goodness and his graciousness, but when we bring things before the Lord and say, Lord, why did you let this happen this way? Why, has things, why have they come out to this seeming dead end? Why am I experiencing the things that I'm experiencing? That is also the same heart, the same tone of, of unbelief. And you know what? That actually affects the heart of Jesus incredibly. Some people think that, that Jesus' response about groaning in his heart, and, and um, the, the Greek here, the word is interesting. It's actually a, a word that, that most of other times in other Greek literature, it's used for the snorting of a horse in indignation of, of this kind of, this, 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 uh, this uh, just um, 
not annoyance, but, but this anger, this deep, and that's the same word that's used here for his groaning in his spirit. This, that's his reaction. I don't think it's necessarily to death, though he came to triumph over to death, but I think it's his reaction to our unbelief and our doubting of him. Three times, Mary, Martha, and, and the Jews. Why did things happen this way? You could have done something differently. And that conversation, that first conversation that, that Martha and Jesus have, it seems like he's saying one thing and she's understanding something differently. Yes, she understands he's the resurrection. She, she understands he's the Messiah, which is an amazing uh, revelation that, you know, before Jesus' death, before his resurrection, not many people, Peter professed it. Uh, there's a few that understood that. That's amazing. But he's saying almost, no, no, I'm here, here and now for a specific purpose. I'm here to meet your needs specifically. It's not a one day far off thing. Yes, one day we'll all be resurrected. One day we will all be with Jesus in glory. No, here and now. I'm here to meet your needs here and now. And I've allowed things and done things in a certain way. I've waited two days in a certain time, a certain purpose for a specific purpose to show you my glory. Open your eyes. That's all said from a place of love, isn't it? You know, this, this deliberate waiting of Jesus I think we need to believe more in Jesus and his purposes. In our lives, we need to believe and trust more what he is doing. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent he may believe. And, and you may think, you and I may think we have a certain level of belief and trust like Thomas Let's go and die with him. Oh, well, fatalistic, you know, this is, I guess this is, this is how it's going. And, and, and probably said it from a good intent, a good heart. But none of them knew really, truly yet. None of them had experienced truly yet the glory that was to be revealed in Jesus. And then further on after the resurrection, the glory that was going to be revealed in them. And I think each one of us needs to believe more that God has more glory to show us. There is more of him that he wants to reveal to us through more suffering, through more deaths in our life, deaths of ourselves, dying of ourselves. We need to believe that, not in a passive way, but in an, open, an open-handed way. This is God's purpose for me as it comes my way, as the experience envelops me and, and seems to shake my foundations and, 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 and all my thoughts about what life would be like or, or, or how things would turn out or this person or that person, as that happens, God wants to reveal more of his glory in me, to me. That's his complete purpose. Because he does love each one of us. It's apparent. 
when you read this whole account, when you keep going through the chapters through John, you read all the Gospels too, it's apparent that he had perfect knowledge of everything that was going to happen. He had perfect understanding of the hearts of all the people that opposed him, that, he, that, he, that did not understand him, that deliberately misconstrued his words. He understood that all completely, and yet he took one step further, one step closer to the cross. I think we too often disconnect the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the life here and now. I think too often we kind of put a certain amount of store and comfort in, yes, one day I will be resurrected with Jesus Christ. I know where I'm going when I die, which in and of itself is a great comfort and uh, needs to be clinged to daily. But too often we divorce that from the life here and now, that that resurrection that we experience, that's why Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Does this mean that you and I will never experience physical death? because we believe in Jesus Christ? No, that's not what it means. But we will never experience that death of separation from God. The death that we all face in this flesh will just be a momentary, will be a passing through. Um, I've heard it said before that death for the unbeliever is an execution, but death for the Christian is an unclothing. It's just a momentary, it's just a passing. Uh, through and it's painful and and we fear it none of us looks forward to the physical part of death and the and the suffering and clearly mary and martha did not Uh, they were they were torn apart by the separation that death causes and and when we experience it it's never a light thing it's never a, 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 a an easy thing but for the christian that passing through It's just a passing through. It's just a going through and entering, a a taking off of this mortal flesh. I think we need to question ourselves. We need to examine ourselves and we need to cry out if that fear of death is growing too big in our view, is is, is, um, becoming too overwhelming. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves where that has happened, where, where we are being uh, bound in and paralyzed by that, where we are inhibiting it, uh, we are letting it inhibit us from doing the will, the work of God, the, 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 the things that we need to do in the day while it is light, as Jesus said. We need to see clearly that it is just a momentary thing, that, that our hope is in Jesus Christ. The, the, it's been told to me before that the, the, the antidote to fear is truth. 
And I think each one of us needs to grasp a hold of that, where we're letting death and the fear of death and, and, and all of the, whatever, it's, whatever Satan would want to magnify and make bigger than it actually is, the truth of Jesus being the resurrection and the life, the life here and now for me, that needs to align this and, and put that fear, uh, banish that fear as it were. And I think maybe this pandemic has been a, um, a testing time for that. You know, we, 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 there is prudence on one hand, there is, there is a, a carefulness. You don't want to be easily pass around a transmissible disease, uh, one that has consequences, serious consequences for, for uh, people that, some people that can get it can, can get, get quite deathly ill and, and die, as we've seen, as is very clear in the media. But I think the reaction of this world, and sad to say the reaction of us as Christians, has been too focused on this fear of death and this fear of, of what happens if I get it? I may die. We serve a God that knows the end from the beginning, that knows completely the, the, the death day of each one of us, the, the moment when we will expire, not a moment before, not a moment less. He waited two days. He knows exactly exactly what's going on in each one of our lives. And, and not only that, he is in control of the circumstances. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Is that going to be my reaction to him? Lord, you're not really in control of the circumstances. If things had only been different, that's what causes the heart of Jesus to groan within himself, to, 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 to weep, to sorrow, to see that I am still captured, I'm still chained by, the, by the, the chains of death. I'm still surrounded by it. I'm still letting it hold and, 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 and keep me from doing the will, from living in the life of God. Oh, what a shame. I who profess that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, I'm the one that, that, that believes that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And yet I am letting fear fear of that, that, that death that comes to all men that will come to me at the moment of God's choosing and his design and not a moment before, not a moment less, I'm letting that fear paralyze me and act like it's nighttime when it's really daytime. It is really the time to be working and the time to be doing. Lord, forgive me for that and the Lord forgive you for that because his heart towards you is one of love. It's clear, it's abundant. In this account, this real account, it's, it's clear and it's abundant in my life too. I think maybe another part of, of, of the fear of death is an uncertainty we may have about our final destination. And for my friend outside of Christ, I would say that's a good thing. If you're not 100% certain and you don't profess Christ, those two things go together, hand in hand. There is no certainty in death, in, in, in your destination without Jesus Christ. God's word makes that abundantly clear. There is no way unto the Father but by him, by believing in him, by professing in him. And... If you die without him and without believing in him, the scripture is crystal clear. God's word is crystal clear. Your destination is apart from him. 
you will have no place with him in eternal life. But my brother and sister, if you believe in Jesus Christ, there is certainty in him. There is confidence. There is joy. And it's not based on how good of a Christian you are and, and that you've done all the things that are right. You know what? If your focus is on all of the things that you're doing, I think your certainty about where you're going may start to slip. And that may be an indication that you are basing things a little bit too much on your merit, on the good thing that you have or have not done. And, and, and that is why there is uncertainty and, and fear about where you're going. And am I really? Will I really? But a heart that is fixed on Jesus Christ, that is, that is, that is rooted, that, that, that has taken him in, that eats him daily, that heart can, can rest in peace. That heart can be assured of God's goodness, of his love. The Christian life is a serious one. There is no room for uh, 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 casualness or, or, or you know, I'll... I'll um, it doesn't really matter what I do. We all understand that. That's been clearly preached from this pulpit. But it also needs to be preached that the goodness of God is what saves us. And it is that certainty, that assurance in him and his goodness is what carries, what sustains us, will set us right when, when things start to, when we start, am I really? God is good. I need to come back to him. I need to profess him. I need to come to his feet like Mary. This intimate relationship, I, I smile a bit as I'm thinking we are just, I, I was a week or two now, maybe three weeks ago with the children reading this passage and the passage or the next passage, chapter 12, about Mary was the one who washed Jesus, anointed his feet and washed his feet with her hair. And um, Lucas kind of maybe in a little silly stage, and he got on something about her toes. <laughs> and, and I don't mean to make light of scripture, Definitely not, but think about that. You know, we, we say that passage, but it was his toes, too. It, it was his actual feet, her hair that she washed with his feet. That is the intimate relationship. That's the love that, that comes now springing out of me, that I want to do whatever I can for my Lord. I want to be in his presence. I want to, to, to show my love to him uh, in whatever way. However degrading and, 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 uh, and, and silly it may seem to others, I want to wash, and I say that because I have no hair. No. Each one of us knows. Each one of us knows the thing that the Lord has given us that we need to lay at his feet, that we need to wash his feet with, that we need to anoint his feet with because of his great sacrifice because of his death and his resurrection that's the intimacy that that mary and martha and and lazarus enjoyed with jesus that's the intimacy that he desires with each one of us it's a heart that's big enough for that it's a heart that wants that but it's a heart that's also going to lead us through difficulties through suffering in order to see his glory, to see who he is, the risen Lord, the one who has the answers, who is the, the Alpha and the Omega.
This final passage here that we read about the actual act, the miracle of, G of Lazarus being raised from the dead, starts with a simple prayer. And I love this prayer. This prayer is just so um, conversational is not the right word, so matter-of-fact, so direct, so trusting. Lord, I thank thee. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Perfect faith, perfect trust. And I knew that thou hearest me always. There was no shadow, there was no doubt. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. This is the heart of Jesus. That perfect trust, that communion with his father, Lord, I know you heard me. I know exactly what you're going to do. I trust you completely. And now I'm saying this, I'm doing this because of the others, so that they may believe. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart that he wants from me. Perfect trust and, and belief in, in him, in his works, and his doing, so that others may believe, so that others may see that glory. And then no fancy words, no, no incantations, no um, Lazarus come forth, spoken in a simple and a strong word. What power. That's the power that the Lord Jesus has. That's the power he wants to display in your life and in my life as we believe in him. The resurrection power. Let's arise Let's go forth. Let's do his will. Let's live unto him. Let's die unto him. May the Lord bless this word. There was a couple of short sections in this passage that really stood out to me. The first is when Martha, Martha returns to her sister Mary and simply says to her, the master is come and calleth for thee. This morning the master has come and if you've never heard him speak before, he's calling to you. He's asking for a response. The other section that stood out to me is right at the end. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. For those of us that follow Christ, our ears were once dead and closed to his call. But through the grace of God we responded. We heard him call our name. And there was life where death was before. We answered that call. We came forth. But for many of us, we still may have our grave clothes tangled about our feet, hindering us. Brother, sister, those of you that have heard the voice of God and have responded, those of you that have experienced life 
where death was before. What is holding you back? What are you still tangled up in? Loose him. Let him go. Why? So that he could be a witness of what Jesus had done in his life. It's interesting to me that after this, Jesus never said to Lazarus what he said to the twelve, come follow me. Lazarus stayed in Bethany. There was work for him there to do, as there is for all of us, wherever God has placed us. Whatever is holding you back from fully following Christ and doing what he wants you to do, loose yourself from it. Serve him to the best of your ability, and he will bless. May God bless the words that we've heard this morning, and may he also dismiss us with his blessing. This concludes our service. Amen.